Greetings, greenhouse people. We are back at it with another episode of Tech on Demand, brought to you by Grower Talks Magazine. If you don't receive Grower Talks and Green Profit every month, it's time to head over to growertalks.com and subscribe. The magazine's been a pillar of the industry for more than 75 years, and it is about time you joined the club. And speaking of subscribing, be sure to subscribe to the Tech on Demand podcast on your favorite podcast app like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and I'm really excited to announce that we're now on Odyssey. Once you subscribe, you'll never miss an episode. I'm your host, Bill Calkins, and this time we're kicking off a three-part mini-series called The Dynamics of Growing Media. The plan is to take you through the importance of testing, sampling, and analysis so you're set up to grow the best crops possible. We'll cover media testing, water testing, plant tissue testing, and a whole lot more with our brilliant guest, Troy Beekle from Premier Tech, the company behind Promix. Troy's an amazing technical expert who's earned the respect of his peers and hundreds of growers across North America. By the end of this series, you're going to have a lot more knowledge about why and how to sample media, water, and plant tissue in order to get ahead of greenhouse problems and assess and analyze issues if and when they occur. This episode, the first in the series, is all about testing. Because without that, there's really no starting point in your mission to diagnose and correct. Experience and assumptions, all good, but not always accurate and could lead to wasted time and money. Your best bet is always to test. And that's what Troy's going to dive right into in part one. But first, a little bit about Troy. Troy Beekle has a master's and bachelor's in horticulture and has been a horticultural specialist with Premier Tech Grower Services since 1995. He's based in Quakertown, Pennsylvania and covers the Mid-Atlantic and Eastern Midwest and is committed to offering growers alternatives, new ideas, support, and solutions that suit their ever-evolving requirements and needs. He's specialized in flowering plants, More precisely, plant nutrition and water quality. You'll no doubt be amazed at his level of knowledge and experience. He's made dozens of videos throughout the years presenting the specificities and advantages of growing media products and provides tools to solve different growing problems. And that's what he's here to do today. Let's get down to business. Troy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Bill. It's good to be here. I think to, to get us started on, you know, what's really a three-part uh, series breaking down the dynamics of growing media from testing to sampling, analysis, the interpretation of the results. Can you tell the listeners to get started why you feel this is such an important topic and why greenhouse professionals need to uh, be aware and stay on top of of their their media and all the testing and analytics that can be done to make their crops as healthy and and perform as as well as possible. I think I think it's important to kind of frame this up before we jump in. Sure, I agree, Bill. So essentially, the the reason why testing is so important is if you have a crop problem. In other words, you look at your crop and maybe it's yellowing or it's got brown tissue or it's just not growing. Uh, the problem is, where do you begin? I mean, obviously, to begin, you probably have to guess. 
Uh, some growers have lots of experience. They would know what to do. Uh, but sometimes you just don't know what to do. And that's where testing really comes in. Um, you know, you look at a problem. Is it caused by fertilizer? Is it my growing temperatures? Is it maybe a pesticide application or chemical thing? Is it a pathogen? Without testing, you really have no starting point. Um, so best thing to do would be test. Starts to get you information to go forward. Um, you know, as an example, uh, I've had situations like uh, vegetable transplant growers. Uh, they typically depend on the starter fertilizer charge and growing media, which if it's older mixed, the starter fertilizer charges, it has declined because of microbial activity. And as a result, they see yellowing plants occurring within the first two weeks after they germinate. So they think, wow, it's time to leach or something toxic in here, which actually are making the problem worse. Um, you know, I've seen other situations, for instance, where customers see yellowing growth in their flowers and they apply an iron chelate, which would normally be the right thing. The problem corrects a little bit and then it gets far worse because it's actually manganese deficiency, not an iron. So again, reasons why we test. No different than, than trying to figure out if you're feeling tired all the time as a person, you get your blood work done, figure out what's going on. I think that's a really good point. And I've, you know, uh, just right, right along what you just said, I think a lot of times the external things we feel in health have to do much more with what's going on inside our bodies. I was thinking that right, right when you were talking, I think that's a really good point. And to bring it to the greenhouse, you know, you're right. A, a crop that's showing yellowing could be all sorts of different uh, causes and experience in the greenhouse is, is key, but I think that testing can bring it much more uh, tighter when it comes to identifying those problems. And like you said, without testing, you really don't know where to start. So I think that that's really good information to, to set the stage. And I feel like testing can seem complex uh, to, mm -hmm. to a lot of our listeners who might have kind of gone with their gut for a lot of years and, and looked to their experience. And um, testing can seem a little bit um, I guess, uh, scary or something that you need to overcome. But uh, let's get a little bit more specific about the why behind uh, behind the testing and what, you know, what truly are some of the goals when you when you sit and look at a problem and decide to that it's time to, to test? Right. That's a good question. So if you look at the goals, First of all, there's there's two ways you can look at testing. You can do what we call maintenance testing, where maybe you test your water twice a year, which is recommended, or you test your fertilizer solution periodically just to make sure it's the right rate. With your median tissue, maybe you test once a month just because you want to know where everything is. Uh, so the goal is to track trends to see where things are going, where they've been. But quite quite honestly, most people usually test when there's a problem that occurs. Um, so we don't always want to wait for a disaster on our hands, but if we see things not going in the right direction, start testing to figure out what, what it does. So really the goals of testing is really to identify and, and really look at cultural trends. What's happening? Is my pH going in the wrong direction? Are my, every time I fertilize, are my nutrient levels coming up less and less each time, meaning I need to fertilize more? Um, you know, let's stop guessing. Let's actually figure out the answer here. Uh, and also with testing, corrective answers can become very easy to take care of. Uh, without knowing what's going on, it's hard to guess. But when you do know, it's it's easy. And also, it, it creates a knowledge for what may happen in the future. I know a lot of growers do a great job of 
you know, looking at their pesticide schedules, knowing when certain insects or diseases come into play. What about nutritional problems? Where are they going to see them? What time of year? All these things are, are very important and some of the goals for testing. Yeah, and, and being able to be a little bit more predictive is something that I know a lot of growers are talking about, whether that's just on production planning or you know what what diseases what insects what nutritional issues am i going to see at certain times of the year and you know the fact that that digitally it's really easy to take those kind of notes right now um with photos right right along with them um i think that speaks speaks to what you're saying and you talk about the uh the maintenance testing whether that's you know twice a year or once a season that kind of thing um i think a lot a lot of growers do that um, and then the ongoing tests that you talked about, certainly with your with your media, uh, is is really critical. Um, but yeah, you test when there's a big problem, and uh, and hopefully getting back a good scientific analysis is gonna is gonna help you solve that problem a lot more quickly. But like you said, and you talked a little bit about pH testing, nutritional testing. Let's uh, let's let's use that to segue into um getting getting specific about about those things so what you know in in your in your mind or from your experience what parameters need to be tested um like you said phec but but i'm sure there there's more and i guess more importantly why are you testing these things on an ongoing basis and you know if you want to throw in there how often how, how often you suggest to do these tests that would be great too mm -hmm. Well, you know, testing when when we're when I'm referring to testing, we're looking at kind of the overall nutritional picture of peach and all those. Certainly, with pathology, we're not going into pathology testing at this point in time. But looking at just the overall, you know, kind of twenty thousand foot view, it's basically four things I think are important to test, and we'll go into each one of these. So, so it's water, your fertilizer solution, your growing media, and your plant tissue. So, water. We'll start with that. Why test your water? And as far as frequency, twice a year. Uh, usually water will change in chemistry when during times of a lot of rain will tend to dilute some of your nutrients. Or times of drought, it will tend to cause um, concentration of nutrients. I always think it's best to test before you start a major crop cycle. So most of our growers do spring crops. So obviously, send that water sample in February or, or January to get it tested. And then again, maybe if you're doing mums or, or poinsettias, maybe send it in June, May or June, just get another another test on that. So water, why do we test the water? Well, I think most growers understand that water directly impacts the pH of the growing media. It's the water alkalinity in there causes it to go up. And once you know that, you can start partnering with a fertilizer or maybe if you need acid injection, that alkalinity number will help you understand that. The other thing is water has nutrients in it. Um, it can come with calcium, magnesium, and sulfur, which are all beneficial. Most of the other beneficial elements are provided by fertilizer, but those three may or may not be provided. So it's good to know that. Uh, and also water can have some things that we don't want, like, like chlorides and sodium and maybe some fluoride. So it's good to know those levels as well. And a lot of times those are used to determine if you need reverse osmosis or if you have to blend with rainwater, if those levels are very high. And again, bottom line is, is knowing what fertilizer to use. That's the main reason why you pair up your, your fertilizer to your water 
not the old thought where you pair fertilizer to the crop growing. It really is more based on the water. The second one is your fertilizer solution. Um, that one really is just a matter of, since most people use a pre-made water-soluble fertilizer, uh, it's really just to check your rate is proper. Uh, usually you test coming out the end of the hose what's going on the crop. If the numbers are not right, if you're wanting to feed at 150 parts per million nitrogen and it's only 20, uh, either your concentrate wasn't mixed right or your injector is not working properly, it needs some maintenance. So again, something you would look at there to try to figure out from that point. Third one is your growing medium. We all know pH. pH is a, can influence availability of nutrients. So we want to try to stay within five, five to six, two range, um, depending on the crop, of course. And uh, the other thing we look at in the growing medium is the EC, which stands for electrical conductivity, which measures the overall fertilizer salts in growing media. And I'll get into more detail on part two about that. Um, again, EC is, is important because it looks at what the plant has actual access to for nutrient levels. Uh, and of course, the other thing with growing media, if you do laboratory testing, it will tell you individual nutrients. So your NPK, calcium, magnesium, and all your micronutrients. Uh, generally, pH and EC will tell you a whole lot. You can use those as you know, personal meters that you have in the greenhouse, but a full nutrient analysis will tell you all that. And last in that group would be plant tissue. Um, Obviously, it indicates what the nutrient levels are actually in the tissue, but it's kind of an interesting one because the media tells you what the plant has available today. The tissue tells you what it had available two weeks ago. So you get two shots in time, and you can build a trend based on those two. And um, also, media or tissue tests, because it is another shot in time, can tell you if an adjustment made to the media is, is in the right direction or not. Because I've, I've talked to customers where uh, they'll send in both media and tissue and they'll say, well, I fertilize the plants, but they just aren't recovering. We'll look at the tissue, we'll see deficiencies, but the media looks normal. Like you're doing the right thing. Just give a little bit more time things will correct. That's interesting. I've never really heard it it's said that way that uh, testing the, the plant tissue shows you what the plant had available in the past or you know in the recent past um that that's that's a really interesting way to look at it um and i can see how that would help you really make better decisions in the in the next season or or, or even you know as and your next term that season mm -hmm. um your point about uh pairing your uh your fertilizer to the water not to the crop i think that's uh something that the listeners really need to keep in mind um and and hopefully you're doing that but um but if you're not that's definitely something to uh to dig into and then um you know certainly uh testing testing your media and the, and the ec um showing what what the plants actually can uh can take up is going to be really really important um those are those are really good so let's let's talk about the tools that you need for and maybe un unpack these these a little bit and you know maybe start with pH um, or EC, wherever you want to start with what kind of in-house testing tools uh, growers can can use, you know, what what should be kept on hand and maybe if you want to prioritize them or or what you know what should growers purchase first if you know if you're on a, a tight budget, I'm sure there are sort of low-tech 
testing devices and high tech and you can probably you know start start more basic and then you know get more advanced as 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 you choose yeah yeah so there's there are some basic basic equipment so i'm going to talk about um looking at the the, the major factors that we want to look at now some of these factors you can have done in-house with tools and some you're just going to have to send off to an independent laboratory and have them tested so the first one i think is is Probably the most important would be a pH meter. Um, I wouldn't go cheap on a pH meter. Generally speaking, most of, them, most of them have what we call, there are a few exceptions out there, but most of them have these, uh, the probe has a glass ball at the end of it that has to be stored wet. Uh, so for some growers, it's kind of a pain, especially when you don't use it for six months at a time. And it, you know, the liquid inside the, you know, the, the storage solution dries out. Uh, but those really are the better ones. The old-fashioned ones where you, you can buy them at a like a hardware store and have two metal probes you stick them in. Those don't really work well. So, so looking at a pH meter, first of all, let's talk a little bit about you know what are you looking for in a pH meter? Um, why is this important? And I think we kind of talked about this a little bit before. But essentially, in growing meat, in soilless meat, you want to have your pH between, be between 5.5 and 6.2. Uh, reason for it is if your pH starts going above that, especially above the 6-4 range, the problem is your micronutrients become unavailable. So your boron, your copper, iron, manganese, zinc, except for molybdenum. Molybdenum goes the other way. So they become insolubilized. So we all know those character crops, you know, your calipricoas, your diacea, dianthus, nemesia, pansy, petunia, snapdragons, verbena, and vinca as examples. Uh, they tend to like a lot of micronutrients, especially iron. So if you run high in your pH, you'll see them yellowing in new growth. So those would be good indicator crops. On the other end of that spectrum, if your pH starts dropping below 5.5, especially below 5.2, uh, it can reduce the availability of your molybdenum, to some degree calcium and magnesium, but we need so many, you know, we need a lot of parts per million on each one of those. So it's pH is not quite as, um, as much of a factor. The main thing is it causes increased solubility of your micronutrients, which in that case can cause some toxicities in your geraniums, uh, your lysianthus, your marigolds, New Guinea patients, pentas, as an example. So ideally, that, that's why one of the pH of our growing media. Um, you know, as far as knowing the pH of your water or your fertilizer solution. I think most of us in the horticulture world understand that the pH of the water or the pH of the of the fertilizer solution does not influence the pH of the growing media. Uh, I know in the in the uh, in the cannabis world there still is some confusion on that, but the two do not relate to each other whatsoever. And uh, the second tool or I'm sorry, is still going with the pH I mentioned this a little bit before, but if you do get a pH meter, it'll probably have a glass probe on it. You do need to store it wet in solution. If you let it dry out, you might be able to revive it maybe once or twice. But after that, the meter or the, the probe itself will have to be replaced. Uh, ideally, you should calibrate it every time you use it. So if you're using it, maybe let's say you're going to test five or six samples in one hour. One calibration is sufficient, but for each day, you definitely want to recalibrate it. The second tool I think that would be important would be your electrical conductivity meter, we call it EC. So why is that important? 
Well, overall, if we look at EC, there's a, a unit called millimoles per centimeter, and we're looking at a range of about 0.7 to 2.4, would be kind of ideal for most crops. Now, 0.7 would be more for your seedlings and your, your young liners. 2.4 would be more your heavy feeders. I mean, we have petunias that can tolerate ECs in a four and five. So, but this is kind of a general range. Um, so EC or electrical conductivity is basically made up of things coming from your water. Your water has salts in it. Certainly your fertilizer has salts in it by far and away. Uh, growing media does come with some. And also sometimes certain pesticides could even introduce some, or if you're injecting acids like sulfuric acid, the sulfur would be introducing, would increase the EC as well. Uh, and again, some of these salts are really good. Uh, that's why even though your EC on, let's say your water, for instance, might be high, you need to find out what, what it's come from. It's all sodium and chloride. It's not good news for you. Um, you can also use an EC meter to confirm your fertilizer application rate. So again, testing what's coming out the end of the hose, test the EC off of it. You can take the EC of the water, you know that first, subtract it from the EC of the fertilizer solution. You'll get an EC of just the fertilizer contribution. And you can look at your fertilizer bag and look at that number and see where it falls in your parts per million range on the fertilizer bag. Great quick test to figure that out. And of course, EC, bottom line is not only, you know, you want to try to find out what your EC is, and not, not only your fertilizer and water, but also your growing media as well. Uh, the EC meter uh, should be calibrated daily uh, with each use. And they hold up well. I mean, there are some EC meters out there that are still 30, 40 years old that are still just fine. So they don't, they don't usually require sensitive storage. So they're usually pretty good. Um, I have to tell you kind of a, a little story here. One of the problems I see with pH meters, especially with the cheap ones, is I remember one time I had a customer call me and he had one of these probably $35, $40 meters. And uh, he was saying that he was testing the pH of our meat. He said, your pH is seven. And based on the inputs, everything he was described, it just didn't quite make sense. So I started questioning him. And, and then I just used something I had used for many years. I said, well, why don't you take a can of Coke as an example, Coca-Cola. And I said, drop your pH meter in there and see what it reads. Because usually Coke reads somewhere in the mid to upper twos. And he put the pH meter in there. And, said, and well, I won't repeat the exact words he used, but... But his pH read, meter read seven after testing the can of Coke. So he knew right then and there his meter was not working. And I always tell people, you need to get a pH and EC meter that can be calibrated. If you cannot calibrate it, I would not recommend buying it. So that's important. And then, and so are there just always instructions with them on how to calibrate or is it, I mean, is that a pretty simple process? Yeah, there is. There, there's usually uh, two buttons on most of your meters. One button is for power. The other one usually uh, has, you can convert back and forth between units, uh, like an EC meter. Each meter, push the button a certain number of times, it'll usually, the pH uh, testing solution be pH 4 and a pH 7 on a pH meter. EC is like 1.4, so it just depends on the meter. Yeah, it's pretty easy to calibrate. And then what about... Uh... I mean, are, are there in-house tools for plant tissue testing, or is that something you send out to a lab? Yeah, with plant tissue testing and, of course, also looking at individual nutrient levels in the growing media, you 
most likely should send it out. There are a few kits where you can test specifically for nitrogen in the media or ammonium, but with all the expense and maintaining all that, I don't think that's really good. Um, so yeah, for, for that, I would definitely send that out and, and get that test by an independent lab. And of course, they also test the pH and C of that as well. Of your growing media for tissue, it's just strictly what the nutrient levels are. And one last thing I want to mention that a lot of growers don't have, but I think it's a, it's a pretty nice tool to have, is a water alkalinity test kit. Uh, water alkalinity is so tied into the pH of your growing media. Um, it, it's just simply a test kit where you put a, a you know, fixed amount of water into a test tube based on the kit. You put in a couple of drops of reagent, then you put in drops of, of the actual test solution. And based on the volume of material that goes in there, there will be a change in the water color when that occurs and you know about where your alkalinity is. So nice thing about alkalinity is, um, you know, if you if you just want to see where, where it's changing, you might have to change up your fertilizer. The big number is somewhere in the 200 to 250 parts per million calcium carbonate equivalent range. What that is, is once you start getting above that number, you might have to consider acid injection into your water. If you're below that, you can still use fertilizer to uh, maintain the pH of your growing media. Yeah, we definitely hear a lot about alkalinity testing. Um, you know, it, it occurs to me that a lot of times when, you know, as a grower, when you send in or when you call someone and ask about a problem in your crop, you're going to get a lot of these questions, you know, back at you, you know, well, what's your pH? What's your EC? You know, have you checked the, the you know, your, your, so your media uh, pH? And, and if you have those answers, you're going to get the, you're going to get a solution much quicker. You're going to have much better chance of figuring out the how to solve your problem versus if, you know, if your answer is, I really don't know, or, you know, well, at the beginning of the season, it was this. Um, I know, uh, I'm sure that you run into that. And those are some of the basic questions you probably ask, right? Yeah. And, and, and as such, we don't actually offer, have a, a <laughs> let me restate that. We don't actually have a testing lab ourselves, but we do partner with other labs where, where we have samples sent out. And yes, it, it, it is very true. Um, and a lot of times assumptions are made. Uh, good assumptions, but not always correct assumptions when it comes to what's going on in the crop. I think that, yeah, I, I hear it from uh, technical uh, experts all the time. It's kind of like yeah. when you call IT and they say, well, have you tried restarting your computer or, you know, some of, <laughs> some of the more basic questions and you're yeah. like, oh man, I definitely should have done that. I think that some of these go right along those lines. Um, <laughs> I think before we, before we wrap up, part one here i'm you know you've told a couple of good stories the coke story was definitely an interesting one some of your stories about uh different uh solutions to my plant is yellow question are, are good ones what are uh but i'm I, I always like the you know what what crises have been averted by knowing some of these uh these numbers or knowing some of the the analytics behind the testing um and, and I think that with folks here, these kind of stories, it probably helps them understand the importance of testing and, and how some things can be avoided. So if you, uh, I don't know, you want to share any stories that, that come to mind? Sure. Well, um, I'll share one with, with actually <laughs> kind of contradicts what I just said, but we'll talk about one. You know, I mentioned the pH meter before. I've had 
you know, this happened a couple of times where customers will get a cheap pH meter or maybe they'll get a good one, but they never calibrate it. And they'll end up, let's say, again, they, they do a pH test on the growing median. Let's say it comes out at 7 point whatever, 7.2, 7.6. Of course, your first reaction is, okay, I got to drop the pH in my growing media. Uh, so you start using acid inputs, maybe injecting some acid into the water, uh, starting to use more acidic fertilizers. But if it's not calibrated properly and your pH was actually 5.5 and you start putting all those acid inputs, you can actually cause a major devastation to the crop. And I've actually seen that that happen. So honestly, Bill, sometimes I think uh, no equipment is almost better than bad equipment. So again, keep this material calibrated really good. Now, other things, I remember one time we had a, a customer that made uh, their own growing media and they added the starter fertilizer charge and he forgot the, ph the phosphorus for whatever reason. And uh, they didn't know they forgot it. Uh, obviously, nobody tries to make a mistake. So the, the plants were just really short. And of course, we know phosphorus deficiency triggers you know, short growth, which is not bad. But they just couldn't get these plants to grow and they couldn't figure it out. And once they tested, they realized, oh, we forgot to put the phosphorus in there. So, yeah, there are, are little stories. I mean, we see, you know, all the time, again, talking about with the vegetable transplant growers, I mean, great people, but but they have this idea that, again, they see yellow plants, oh, it must be a toxicity, at least when it happens early. So if it's actually deficiency and you start leaching, you leach out what little you have and it creates even a bigger problem. And those get kind of messy because then they start missing their target date because they're usually growing to stick them out in the field. So, yeah, there's all kinds of little stories of, of things where testing really can help change a problem. Or well, change I, guess, I guess while you're talking about that, how long does uh, it take for that starter charge to sort of dissipate from growing media? I know it's sort of off topic, but I, I'm interested. No, no, that, that's fine. So most companies and i'm sure there's probably some that that do differently most companies including their own we're looking at about a week to maybe 10 days or two weeks maximum on its starter charge and that starter charge will decline over time through natural microbial degradation so if you have old mix i would say fertilize from day one and you'll avoid a whole bunch of problems yeah that that's that's good advice because uh you know, folks are trying to order earlier and earlier and earlier these days. And there's yeah. just some considerations like that to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. Well, this has really been enlightening. I think that it, it makes sense that in order to get the best results or the quickest solution, it's good to come in with some of that, this background information about the 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 different levels um whether it's in your water in your in your media or even in your plant tissue um and i think that that your your breakdown point by point has been really really good and probably helps our listeners understand why testing needs to be top of mind and something that's done on an ongoing basis and not not just waiting till a problem happens um because the more that you can have in your toolbox the the better off you're going to be when uh when you when you call to ask that question so it's true if if our listeners want to learn more about premier tech or to reach out to you for information um maybe continue the conversation a little bit where would you where would you send them or where would you direct them well first place would be our website pthorticulture.com 
Uh, we also do have, we're, we're on Twitter, we're on a uh, number of other uh, social media sites as well. Uh, we also still do things by email and phone. So, you know, our, our tech services line is 800-424-2554. And there's six of us in the country that take care of it. So I handle the uh, kind of the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic area. Um, my extensions too, when you call in. So yeah, we have a whole team of people that can help out with these types of questions. Excellent. I'll put uh, the links to the website and some of the other resources because you guys certainly have plenty of, of excellent uh, resources that, that the listeners can view and share with their team. And I'll put those links in the show notes. Mm-hmm. So this has been great. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Troy. Thank you, Bill. And as a reminder, Troy and I are going to be back in a couple of weeks to address the next piece in the puzzle, the dynamics of stoil media or growing media, which is uh, which can be a puzzle. But the, uh, the next topic is going to be sampling. And we're going to dive deep into how to sample uh, the media and, and why following a plan for this is very critical. So I'm Bill Calkins with Tech On Demand, brought to you by Grower Talks. And on behalf of Troy and the team at Premier Tech, Have a fantastic season.